Good morning, everyone. Joining me today is Juno Superintendent Dr. Bridget Weiss. Good morning, Bridget. Good morning, Kevin. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Despite the fall weather that we've been having. (laughs) I had to brush snow off my car. How unfortunate. But that's that time of the season. It sure is. Now, we've heard you plan to step back. Tell us about that. Yeah, uh, I will be uh, at our next board meeting next week. Uh, I'll be submitting my uh, formal letter of of retirement uh, resignation from uh, the Juneau School District and uh, effective June 30th. So that's an important piece I want people to know uh, because we have a lot of really important months ahead of us and a lot of work to be done. But I did want you know to make sure that the board had lots of time to sort out what their process would be and to um, have plenty of time to attract good candidates for Juno. I remember you were hired permanent back in 2019 after Mark had left. Little did we know what was to happen the next year. Yeah. A global pandemic. A global pandemic. Yes. It's been, you know, uh, quite a ride these last five years. And I've been, of course, with the district for nine. So prior to becoming superintendent, I I had four years of just really high quality time getting to know families uh, in the district and supporting students and staff and in that role as director of student services. And then shifting to superintendent was um, wonderful because I already had that baseline uh, for the district, uh, knowing a lot of the families, knowing a lot of the staff already was definitely a a jump start for me as superintendent. And that was, yeah, then almost a blink of an eye and COVID, uh, spring of 2020 happened. And so uh, then those next few years really were spent so intensely uh, supporting uh, both our school district and really our community through that, that time of the pandemic. Looking back, what are you proud of doing during your almost decade-long tenure as an administrator in Juneau. Yeah, it's really hard for me to even comprehend that it's been just about a decade. Uh, Juneau is my home. It always has been. Um, It will stay my home. And uh, I think that as a professional educator, to have the opportunity to really support uh, the school system in that I'm a product of uh, and, and the community that I count as home, was a really is a big privilege. And I think that, uh, you know, certainly some things I'm proud of are working our way through an unprecedented situation. Uh, way early in my career, of administrative career, I had a task, I was given a task by a superintendent to to prepare for H1N1 and what might happen. Oh. And ironically, I did that, created a, a bit of a system, a preparedness plan, and then it never really ha- it never took place the way we this pandemic did. Uh, and it, certainly at that time, I could never even have imagined what a real experience through the pandemic would be. Um, but academically, I put it down on paper what a response might be, and and that was you know, 20 years ago or so. Um, So living through this pandemic, I am one of the things I'm super proud of is our preparedness. Uh, The work that we did prior to March of 2020 in that month or so leading up to that really, again, foreshadowing what none of us could have imagined. I couldn't have really described what might happen and for how long it would impact us. 
Uh, but we we went to task at that time in really thinking through what are we going to have to be ready to do, and that paid huge dividends between a Friday night announcement by our governor to Monday morning. We were meals ready, delivering to kids. We had Chromebooks ready, delivered to kids, all within from Friday night to Monday morning. And that was really because of all the work we had done leading up to that. Again, not knowing what we were exactly preparing for. Uh, so that is that is one piece. Uh, it certainly was a long couple of years following that as we continued to find creative ways to support. Um, but I, I think we we did uh, do that, and we we supported our students, our families, our community, and our staff through through that. Uh, and then just really, and again, an opportunity to serve in your home is something that most superintendents don't get an opportunity to do. So really connecting with the community in ways that were uh, connected to the work of the district and plus uh, other areas, what is has just been a really neat experience. And you, you you made it clear that it's June the thirtieth. That is when you are you're you are done. Correct. I'll end my contract June thirtieth, and that will get us through this year. It's a classic time when districts transition to new leadership. July one is generally when that happens, and so uh, again we have a lot of work to do this spring, and um, we'll be busy doing all of that um, while also the board works on um, selecting a new superintendent. On another note, uh, I understand the board also went through a leadership change. Could you get folks up to speed on that? Absolutely. So October is our month, as you know, for reorganization. Typically, we have uh, an election. Well, we always have an election, and sometimes we have new board off, uh, board members. In this particular case, we do, did not have any new board members elected. We had uh, both Dee Dee Sorensen and Emil Mackey re-elected to the board, and though even with that, we do a reorganization of officers, of committee assignments, and so forth. So in that process last week at our uh, board retreat, uh, we had a shift in leadership for our officers. So this coming year, Dee Dee Sorensen will be our uh, school board president, Emil Mackey will be our vice president, and Will Muldoon will be the clerk. And so uh, that will provide the board leadership for the coming year. Very good. I was, while we were talking about the pandemic, I was curious about education support for students after this pandemic, the educational impacts on it. What progress of remediation is happening this year? Yeah, we are, um, we've held summer school the last two summers. We're looking forward to next summer already to see what we can do to continue that. Um, one of the things that we are doing this year is refreshing our what we call multi-tiered system of support which is kind of a technical term but basically it means really looking individually at students and where they are academically and then figuring out what interventions and what supports each child needs to bring them to the next level and so that's looking at data to do that etc so that's another strategy that we're doing that we were doing pre-pandemic and now this year we're we're sort of refreshing, rebooting that process, and that should really help us. We certainly are seeing uh, students who have struggled academically as a result of um, the pandemic. We're also seeing some students who absolutely thrived and are accomplishing great things. I'm so proud of the work our kids are doing right now. And 
just this last weekend, we had uh, Thunder Mountain and JDHS volleyball matches, as an example. And just, you know, I don't know that I will ever take for granted those opportunities that we have to watch kids perform and and just the energy uh, and the uh, uh uh, engagement that happens as a community when those things happen. And and so... And we know that helps with their education as well. It's research tells us that the that activities definitely result in higher academic outcomes. And so it really is very, very important. Um, and so we're doing all those things to... We, we also this year are seeing more families join us uh, that maybe had younger kids who they did not participate in any learning activities activities for a couple of years because of of the COVID uh, scenario. And so that's a different situation. So when we have a six or a seven-year-old show up, then we're applying a lot of resources to catch that student up. Uh, so we're seeing uh, the real life. Yeah, I see. So they didn't start right at kindergarten in the district. Right. Because I, it might have been, you know, fall of 2020, they were a kindergartner or fall of 21, and they just were not ready to send their kid to school given COVID and so given COVID scenarios and um, and so we we thought that was probably the case this year we're seeing that that happen and so the needs are great there's no question uh, but we have our strategies our interventions that that we are working on to support those students and, and I asked that because we had recently saw the national assessment of education progress report and it's that this is statewide so it's not specifically a Juno right it's a statewide and, yes and uh, the results had shown that uh, for reading fourth and eighth grade students were about at 2019 levels but the math continued to decline i wanted to know if you had any observations yes uh math can did decline and i think we're probably going to see that across all of our um uh, assessments. Uh, being a former math teacher, <laughs> I spent you know 16 years in the classroom teaching high school math and absolutely loved every minute of it. Um, math is very sequentially um, um, stacked. Uh, one skill leads to another skill leads to another skill. So when you have gaps in mathematics understanding, it really blossoms along the way. Uh, and so, um, and it's difficult to mimic mathematical instruction without being in person. And so we definitely saw an impact to, to that, our math, math achievement. Uh, reading, however, it's interesting. Certainly, there, there is a negative result to some degree. However, Alaska maintained much more so than most states in the country. So NAEP is also national. So it's great because we get a, a statewide perspective, but we also get a national perspective. And our scores in reading either held or slightly increased. And that was a very distinct difference between Alaska and the other states, many of the other states. And so um, we're semi-encouraged by that. We still have a lot of work to do. I mean, that's a goal, right? Reading by third grade. It's a significant outcome uh, that is a priority both of our school board, of our school district, and our strategic plan, and the state Department of Education. And so uh, that is um, a very top priority uh, legislatively as well, right? We had our Alaska Reads Act passed last year. Uh, it will go into implementation next year. Uh, so there's a lot of work and planning around that as well. And 
with with these test scores now that provide us that statewide image i wanted to know when the district are we holding testing this uh, this school year we did last spring last uh we spring. shifted to a, our statewide assessment changed and we're using a, a little bit different test uh we will our get we have those results we're processing those results and actually that will be the topic of discussion at our work session on tuesday the 8th uh for the board we'll do our what we call our indicators of success report and uh that that data will be shared with the board and public um on Tuesday, November 8th. And then we also post that on our website. But that's a little bit deeper dive into the statewide assessment and a few other indicators that we measure. Well, very good. We'll take a brief break. We'll be right back. And we're back with Juno Superintendent Bridget Weiss. I understand you had some public hearings about the district's strategic plan. Could you update us on that? Sure. We are um, in the process this year of taking a fresh look at our 2020-2025 strategic plan. So we've done that in a variety of ways already. One was a few weeks ago, we uh, did a site council and public, uh, anyone that wanted to come and discuss really anything related to the strategic plan. And and basically, we're sort of looking at it through three lenses. One is, what in this plan is a really high priority? Like, what is non-negotiable that, you know, maybe should be bolded? Um, Is there anything here that isn't really relevant anymore or that we should take away for any reason. Uh, I mean, this was crafted pre-pandemic. Right. right? We, the board approved it at the March meeting of 2020. (laughs) So right before um, COVID hit, um, this was adopted. And so it, it is, we're halfway through it already. And so it's a good time to see what are there any slight adjustments? Um, is there anything that we should add that we didn't think of in March of 2020 that should be included? So um, I have another meeting today uh, to do that with our Native Education Advisory Council. Uh, so we're working with administrators on it. We did the public. So we're getting a lot of different audiences to take a look at it. And then the board will work on some refinement process um, later in December, probably. And on another subject with some public hearings scheduled is uh, the budget as well. Mm -hmm. I saw the super, super duper site council meeting coming up here in November, and and that'll be a brush on the budget. Yes, we will hit the budgeting process for FY24 hard starting in January. But preliminary to that, in November, we do our first look with site councils and we talk about the input role that they have, about what we think the upcoming budget is going to look like, uh, and then um, really share the work of the district, the strategic plan. And then we come back in January with that group as well as others and get specific input Uh, So, yes, the process is quite extensive. Uh, We are looking at, uh, hopefully, uh, a BSA increase uh, that is still pretty small comparative to inflation and the number of years getting close to a decade now where BSA was the base student allocation was not increased. So, uh, which is really a loss of funding, right? When we think about how much increase there is in personnel costs and energy costs, when that rate of funding is flat, 
we're really losing ground. And so that's happened over the course of the last eight years or so. And uh, but we're hoping that that increase will stay for next year. Um, And so we will start that process in January. And it really goes all the way through April when we submit our budget to CBJ and then late March and then in April um, CBJ moves it through. On another note, Bridget, I was hoping you could update us on the efforts to hire bus drivers and substitute teachers. Uh, How's that going now with the season done? It's going a little better. We didn't quite reap as many bus drivers as we were hoping when the tourism season ended, Uh, but uh, we are increasing our substitutes, and hopefully you've seen signs around if any of them are left standing after the recent windstorms, but but we have yard signs, we have some banners, uh, we increased the rate of pay for this year to be $25 an hour if you have a degree or a teacher certificate, $20 an hour if you do not, and uh, we have attracted more subs. The neat thing about being a sub is you can uh, you can absolutely schedule yourself based on your availability. You don't have to be available five days a week. You could be available one day a week or half a day, a couple days a week, whatever that is. Really, you could almost pick your place at this point and say, my kid goes to Ock Bay Elementary School and I want to sub there and really we could keep you busy at that site. So a lot of control over where you go and when you work as a substitute, which for many people I think is a a huge benefit. Um, So we're still looking for subs, but we have made some ground for sure, Uh, but we definitely could use bus drivers and substitutes. I think in the past we've talked about the general need for staffing and education in general. Could subs get your foot in the door? 100%. And we have a lot of positions open as well. So if somebody wants to work as a classified person full-time, 37 and a half hours a week with benefits, we have those positions available as well. Uh, Really, we are in the same dilemma as you probably are at the radio station. You know, literally every business, it seems, has a shortage of people. We're all seeing that personally when we go to a hotel or a restaurant. I mean, it's just um, everybody is short employees. And uh, this is a way really to contribute. I have people that I know that have signed up to sub who have other jobs, but they can free themselves up from that job one day a week. And they're doing it because they want to contribute. It makes such a difference for our kids when we have enough adults around. So um, absolutely, we have full-time jobs, we have part-time jobs, we have subbing opportunities. And if you go to the website, uh, it's really there's a box that says employment opportunities, and you can click on that box and see everything that we have available. Very good. Well, we have enough time to talk about one more thing, and uh, that's operations now with that stuff Mm -hmm. on the ground out there. (laughs) How is that possible? (laughs) What winter operation preparations is underway, Bridget? Yes, we are definitely getting ready for winter. One of my favorite things about growing up in Juneau which I didn't know was unique until I left here is watching the snow come down the mountain and watching that snow line come down is still one of my favorite things as a kid I just loved that and I still do 
And now as an adult, it's not quite as much fun when it comes down because I'm not playing in it as much as I am shoveling and so forth and uh, worrying about buses. So um, we have developed our snow routes and so we're finalizing those. That's one really important piece that pa- we want parents to know. And we will get those posted on our website very, very soon because when it snows, there are times when we can't run all of our routes. And we make those decisions as early in the morning as possible, but sometimes we have to call snow routes. So it's important for families that live in those areas that are susceptible, know what those routes are. So that when we call that, they know what to expect, that the bus is gonna be at the bottom of the hill or the bus is only gonna go out to mile 20. I'm making that number up, but some mile out there um, for safety reasons. And um, the other one is getting our maintenance department up and ready. So they're checking trucks and plows and making sure we're ready. You know, last winter was, uh, (laughs) it was a heavy one. And, you know, we might get another one just like it, but I'm hoping not to do quite as much shoveling myself, but we'll see how it goes. And I do really, especially this time of year, and maybe it's really appropriate today being Halloween, I want to just remind folks to really be watchful of our kids while they're walking to and from school. It is just so dark before we get the snow. It's so dark right now and the visibility is bad with the rain. So um, really keep your eyes out for our kids walking. Um, And uh, we do try to, we really rely on the city for some of those sidewalks and things because that becomes an issue sometimes in the winter as well. Well, while it may not be a knee-high Halloween this year, like (laughs) I've heard in past years, that sounds like good advice year-round. Yes. I I think as a kid, I did trick-or-treat a lot in the snow. So the weather patterns have changed, so we shouldn't be too... Uh, you know, remiss that that it's coming, that it's very, very low based on the mountain right behind you. Uh, so uh, because I did most years uh, trick or treat in the in the snow when I was a kid. Uh, well, thank you for taking the time this morning, Bridget. Thank you very much, Kevin. And thank you for listening. I'm a little out of time, so I'll take you over to Problem Corner. This is Kevin Allen for Action Line signing off.